There are places in the world that speak to us. Places we think of in our dreamier moments. Places we spent time that remind us of other places we've been or of the places we dream about going. Some new places feel like we've been there before and we are never quite sure why. There are places that just make it possible to breathe differently, deeply, and let us reach to the deepest parts of ourselves. There are places that, for better or worse, feel like home from the moment we first arrive. For some, the idea of home is interwoven with our personal history, our family's history, and all that we'll ever do. For others, home is never more than a place where we hang our hat. The idea of home, of coming home, of being home, the feeling of it can nourish something within us that quietly goes hungry the rest of the time. It fills a void we often don't even realize is there. It sustains us in our need to belong. Where is your place? Where are you made to feel most at home? And what nourishes your soul? Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Designated Drinker Show. I'm your host, Louise Salas, and we are coming to you from the Napoleon House in the French Quarter of good old New Orleans. And I'm with my partner in crime, Gina. What a better place to have a partner in crime, huh, than New Orleans. <laughs> you know, we need one. <laughs> yes, I am Gina Trosavine, the mixtress, and I am loving all things NOLA right now. And uh, who doesn't love NOLA? She has this deep, beautiful soul, and uh, you can't help but fall in love with her. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that today's designated drinker just might agree with me. Today's designated drinker lives, breathes, and probably even bleeds NOLA. And we couldn't be happier to welcome head of the Ralph Brennan Restaurant Group, Ralph Brennan himself. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks for being here in New Orleans. Well, thanks for having <laughs> us. I hope you know how much we appreciate being in this beautiful old space. It's got a lot of spirits and a lot of spirits, if you know what I mean. This is an amazing space. It, it really is. Uh, we've only owned it for about two years, but uh, it was owned by the Impostata family for over 100 years. And the building goes back 100 years before that. It's one of the oldest and most unique buildings in the French Quarter. And it was truly meant to be Napoleon's house, correct? Yes, it was a refuge for Napoleon, but he died prior to getting here. He, he died in the Caribbean, and so he never actually made it here to New Orleans, but it's been called the Napoleon House forever. Wow, that's great. That's really, it's, we got a, a quick little tour yesterday um, by Mitch, your daytime uh, manager, yes. and he was just full of uh, really great historic um, tales, and, and uh, yeah, you can't help but like, feel the spirits that are yeah. here, and that's not just after drinking. <laughs> <laughs> that was before any alcohol was consumed, I will, I will add. Um, it, it's beautiful. It's truly beautiful space. Um, so uh, this isn't just, I mean, this one restaurant is one of many in, in, your, uh, in your portfolio, let's call it that. Give us a little history about that. Well, you know, I grew up in this business. My family started with a bar on Bourbon Street called the Absent House in the 1940s. My uncle bought that bar and then uh, all the family members, he was the oldest brother, all the family members went into the business and then a couple of years true later. True family restaurant. True I mean, true family, family business. Yes. I mean, that's, that's I mean, really. I had an aunt who was the bookkeeper. My father did the purchasing. My aunt uh, ran the dining room in the restaurant and, and then a couple of younger brothers and sisters came into the business a little bit later. Uh, but then where they really made their mark was when they bought the restaurant across the street and took over the Vieux Carré restaurant called it Brennan's Vieux Carré. 
And that's where they created a meal period called Breakfast at Brennan's, ah. which was truly unique, a very lavish, uh, over-the-top breakfast uh, experience that they moved to Royal Street in 1956. And so I grew up in this business. And then uh, I came back and started working for the family in the early 1980s. And after a couple of years, I went out on my own and opened a number of restaurants uh, in, in the city here, a casual uh, seafood restaurant, Redfish Grill. We had an Italian restaurant, Baco, for a while. Um, and then we opened a, a fine dining restaurant in Mid-City, a part of the town that, that really didn't have a lot of restaurants at the time called Ralph's in the Park. And then in 2013, a very interesting thing happened, and I was able to buy the original Brennan's from, uh, it was in a bankruptcy with some of my cousins, and uh, hadn't been really been in the restaurant in 40 years, because we had a family disagreement in the 1970s, and my cousins ran it for a long time, but then became available, and it was a very moving moment to, to walk wow. in that restaurant. And uh, what's really neat is just the other day, I took my grandson in. Oh. for the first time and so you know he it, it, I really thought about the, the long history because that's really what you know made my family famous and put them on the map and you know built a reputation and uh, to own that restaurant now is very very special and I think uh, just just cooking and, and feeding someone and and, and it, it is a it is service it truly is a right. service but to, to nourish somebody and be a part of that that's that's uh, it, it, it's a passion and it, it's a uh, almost an honor, especially yeah. when you do it as well as you do. Well, it is because you're actually, you know, people are consuming your product. I mean, mm -hmm. literally consuming it. And, and so that makes it very special. But, you know, food and beverages are very important to what we do, but it's also the whole guest experience and, and, and how we treat our guests from the moment they contact us for a reservation to, to the greet at the front door to the, the meal and then when people leave. I mean, we're really... We're in the business of nourishing people in a lot of different ways. That's great. And, you know, I mean, it, and I would go out on a limb again and say that that probably starts from the top down because you can't expect someone to do that if you're not, you know, if you're not, if you're not, if that doesn't start with you. Well, I agree. I mean, I, I believe, I believe any business is that way. It starts at the top. And, 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 the, and I, my philosophy is that the restaurant takes on the personality of the people in the restaurant, your management Absolutely. team, your service staff, et cetera. And it, so it becomes a very personal experience. And a lot of people don't, don't understand that and don't get it. And we, we really have to work hard to train them because uh, their personalities come through when they approach a table. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. I mean, you, you can have great <coughs> food, but when it's served by a really poor server or somebody's having a bad day or just, sh just shouldn't be in that space, it, it sets the whole meal off. Right. So absolutely, yep. you can't you can't you can't um, well, underestimate you, the power yeah. of good service. Yeah, well, I, mean, I feel like you've definitely nourished a culture within your within your business. How many employees do you have now? Again, it's oh, uh, here in New Orleans, we yeah. probably have about five hundred employees in all the different restaurants, and then we have the restaurant in California yeah. at Disneyland, and we have another two hundred out there. Wow! Um, I, I tell everybody we're in the people business. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, I, you know, it's our staff because they're the ones that represent me and the whole company. And then it's our customers. And, and I spend very little time on other things. It's, I deal with people every day. And that makes it exciting because the real challenge, I mean, with 500 employees, people do get up on the wrong side of the bed yeah. in the morning. And, and you know, y you have to be able to work around that. And then, then you have other staff that get up on the right side of the bed and they do an outstanding job every day. And, but, you know, we, we are really selling that personal touch. That's, that's the difference in any experience, I think. And 
And what I, I tell everybody, and you can think about this now for yourself, I mean, think about a, a, an experience you've had that's been great. It could be at a movie theater. It could be at a bar. It could be... Sitting in a podcast. Si- sitting in a podcast. <laughs> <that's right. laughs> but I get them to try to think about that. You know, what's happened to you that's been over the top? And remember that when, you, when you're working in the restaurants and when you're approaching our customers. I love that idea. So talking about good service... Gina um, set us up right out, right out of the gate. It's a little different. You're very special, Ralph, because usually we wait for this. But she set us up with a, a little beverage. Gina, tell you tell us what you started us uh, off with. Well, I made a Sazerac, a true uh, New Orleans cocktail. And uh, Little Bird told me that um, Mr. Brennan would like a Sazerac. And I said, okay, I will do that. So a um, Sazerac is, um, is a two ounces of Sazerac rye. And then uh, depending on your hand and base shows, uh, usually two to three uh, dashes. Uh, half an ounce or a quarter ounce of simple syrup, depending on your palate. And you'll give that like 30 stirs because you want to make the proper chill on it. Um, and then you're basically going to put it in a chilled glass with a couple of drops of absinthe, rinse the glass, and uh, strain it off with a lemon peel across the top. Nice. I mean, that's New Orleans in a glass. Cheers. We're doing all Cheers. right, Ralph. <laughs> but there's so, much, there's so much to Ralph right now. I'm like salivating what's on the table. <laughs> well, let, let, let's, I mean, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's back up, back up to where we're at. Um, no, it's like okay. So what do you think? It's did delicious. She pass? Did she, did she have good. a job? Can she come? She can have a job, yes. <laughs> no, it's my favorite drink. Uh, it's great to sip on, uh, and it's probably the most popular drink in New Orleans, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was invented at the Roosevelt Bar, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, so that's, uh, I mean, that's iconic, but uh, are they good it's, there? That's the question, you yeah. know? I feel like here, there's so many wonderful cocktails that are invented in so many bars, and then you go there... And then you have this moment where you're like, can't be, can't be this, you know, this, how could you invent the Vukare and you don't even make the Vukare well? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's um, changing. Since I think, I think in the last 10 years, at least in New Orleans, the drinks have gotten to be uh, locally even better. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, what we've seen is the change in, in, in the whole beverage program and where you had several basic drinks. Now you have a great variety of drinks. Um, and, and people are more and more interested in, in drinking an alcoholic drink as opposed to a wine or something else, beer. And so drinks are very, very popular, and we try a to good concentrate. Spirit. Yes. Well, I mean, popular. So uh, Ralph owns uh, now the Napoleon House, who is almost the leader in the entire world of the most sells uh, Pim's Cup anywhere. Yep. Wow. Anywhere. That means to the bar in, in London that came up with it for Wimbledon. Yes. He's about to catch them, right? Is that, I'm right. I'm, right, <laughs> I'm not sure. I? I'm not sure about that. You know, you could dispute those statistics, and but but it's a very popular <laughs> drink. It, Humble it, too, we huh? sell several hundred a day here. Wow! Uh, it was created by uh, the the family that we purchased the restaurant from and bar from from their their older fa- uh, uh, uncle Joe, and uh, he created it. And uh, he wanted a cool, refreshing drink and not too alcoholic uh, for the summertime because it gets hot here. And it's very, very popular. As I said, we sell several hundred a day. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's on a number of tours where the groups will just come in and get a drink and then keep, keep walking. And certainly in New Orleans, you can take a drink out on the street. So that works beautifully. I think yeah. that, that has got, that's like the best revenue thing I've, <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. It's like, would you like one to go on the road? Yes. Yes, I'd like them all. I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> and, 
Well, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the sidewalk has to keep you somewhat sober. I mean, or at least it keeps it in, in, in your meaning that, um, you know, not to drink too much. Otherwise, you're going to meet the curb very hard. <laughs> well, I think, is there a joke or something about the balconies? All the balconies are made so you have something to hold on to when you're, when you're walking down the street. I think that's what it is. You hold on to the poles yeah. one by one. Oh. Pretty, I, I, don't, I don't think it's for the, for the beads. The beads were an after fact. It's like, let's see if you're going to you make it. You measure your walk yeah. by the amount of poles you yeah. grab exactly, on the way. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, so uh, Ralph kind of laughed the other day when I said, uh, let's talk about your empire. Um, you really yeah. definitely have made quite the mark for yourself. I mean, you're definitely one of those staples in, in well, NOLA. I mean, New Orleans is a, is a wonderful city. And, and to be in the food business here, it's so much a part of what we do. Uh, I'm really honored. I really am. And I, I don't call it an empire. <laughs> no, but it's it, because I, we go back to the comment about people. It's yeah. all about our staff and our customers. Uh, but but to be in this city, I mean, food, when you think about it, food, music, um, architecture, history, culture, it's all of what we do. Yeah. And this is such, I mean, this is one of the major industries in our city. So to be a part of that and to watch it grow and develop. I mean, I've been around for about, oh gosh, I shouldn't say this, 35 years. And when, when I first started, there were a lot fewer restaurants. And back in that day, you know, you didn't have the culture of the celebrity chef. And so people like Emeril and Paul Prudhomme have helped change a lot of that, put New Orleans on the map, along with the other great restaurants that have been here for a long time, like Brennan's, Arno's, Antoine's, places like that, Commander's Palace, one of my family's restaurants. But then the whole city's exploded with food, and you have... Uh, Tom Fitzmorris, who's one of our local food critics, says that since Hurricane Katrina, we've almost doubled the number of restaurants in the city, um, which is a number I can't imagine. It goes from about eight or 900 restaurants to almost 1,500 restaurants. Wow. So, I mean, it's like almost on every corner, there's a new restaurant opening every day. In New Orleans, when I was young, restaurants were neighborhood places where you'd go, and then the fine dining restaurants and really nothing in between. And now the city's exploded. And uh, a lot of great, great chefs that are doing fun things. Um, I took my son out, who's one of our sous chefs, last night. And we had a wonderful dinner. Uh, and it's, it's exciting because you can't keep up. No, that is great. It, it's kind of the silver lining of Katrina. We were discussing this before about um, that it, something so devastating um, that maybe there was the silver lining, maybe that it, it allowed people to change and opened eyes and it gave that... Um, that space, that gateway for the evolution to happen. Yep. It almost gave permission um, to break away from some tried and true, very traditional ways of doing things in New Orleans. Not saying that you want to abandon that, but it's always interesting to see those types of things evolve and what happens. Um, I think it's the only way to stay relevant, to be yeah. honest, in almost anything in life. Right. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it was, it was Katrina in a lot of ways was a wake-up call. I remember I was in Jackson, Mississippi, in the friend of mine's den, watching television, trying to find out what's happening in New Orleans. And all of a sudden, they started talking about water. And growing up here, hurricanes were wind events. And we never thought of flooding. So oh, really? You never. Huh. I mean, every once in, in some of the outlying areas, low areas, you'd have a little bit of flooding. But it was always a wind event. That meant trees went down and tree limbs knocked down power lines. Yeah. And so you'd be out of power depending upon where you lived in the city for two or three days to maybe a week or two uh, if you were unlucky. But the minute, the minute I f saw the flood, I, get, I, I remember telling my wife, our life just changed. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure then how it changed. 
but it did change. And then we, we came back to the city about, started coming back in about 10 days after the storm. And my wife and I were lucky our house uh, didn't have a lot of damage. And so we were able to go back in about, the mayor opened the city about 30 days after. And to be here in that time when, you know, we were literally under military rule because the military were here yeah. patrolling the streets and protecting the city. Uh, but, but you know, the, the people who did come back early and, and who were really committed knew they had an opportunity here to reset New Orleans. And I think we did it. That's great. I really do. Uh, the city's much different now. The people that are here now just really are the believers. And they love the city. And um, we made a difference. And, and then, you know, so many things happened to us. So many millions and millions of acts of kindness. It's very humbling. So many people reached out to us. And people started coming back to visit. And then, you know, the tourism industry started to, to, to develop. The other parts of the community started to come back. And, and then, you know, all, all these restaurants started opening. I, I can't tell you exactly why it happened with the restaurants. But restaurants became a leader in getting the city back on track was a destination. I mean, yeah. right. people wanted to eat right. here. Right. And I think people realized that one way they could help us is to come to New Orleans. And then, of course, we had the different groups that did volunteer work, uh, helping rebuild homes in different parts of the city. And, and we had visitors and just a lot of positive news. Yeah. And I know it's, it, it was a tragic event, but there is, as you said earlier, there's a silver lining. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So we also have another silver lining, and this is a little bit uh, more selfish of me. Well, um, Gina, did you know that uh, Ralph brought us uh, some gifts? I literally, literally cannot stop looking at the bottles because <laughs> I see that we have the original and then we have the new and I'm yes. about to like. Okay, so um, without ado, um, Ralph, tell us a little bit about what's sitting here in front of us. Well, you know, this is a, a special drink to New Orleans. Uh, it's been around for a long time, probably since the late 1800s. It's called Ohen. It's a Spanish liqueur. Um, it is uh, kind of like a French pastis, mm -hmm. licorice-flavored uh, drink, but it's uh, unique to New Orleans. I, I don't know that anywhere else you may know, but I don't know if anyone else drinks it. No. Uh, it has a lot <laughs> of history in Mardi Gras here, which takes place in, in February or March each year. Uh, it's, it's tied in. A lot of the carnival organizations like to drink it uh, during some of their events. It's also a popular holiday drink. How do, we, how do you... So how do you serve it in Mardi Gras? So tell me. Uh, we, well, it's, it's, it, the traditional way to make it is in a frappe. So you'd put some uh, crushed ice in a glass. You'd add some ohen, a couple of dashes of pecho bitters, and then a little bit of uh, soda water. That's Very it? simple. And yeah, but the neat thing is, like, like all of the, 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 the French pastis, it changes color. It gets cloudy. Right. And then when you add the uh, pecho bitters, it turns pink. Oh, I mean, I feel like that we should just do that right now. <laughs> shall we? I, I um, we should. Should. Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> shall, we, shall we taste the two from the old yeah. to the? Did you so, smell yeah. the, the, the? So what we have, we have two bottles here. Yes. The, one is the original, and they stopped making it probably seven or eight years ago. Wow. And uh, so we couldn't get it. People were hoarding it. Then uh, the Sazerac company, which the, we have the rye in the uh, the Sazerac drink that we have here in front of us, they made a new a new blend of it here in the United States. Oh, okay. Uh, Martin Wine Cellar uh, is, a, is a large uh, liquor and wine store here. They, uh, they had the last of the Ohen, and they sold out six, seven, maybe even eight years ago. And, and as I said, we were without it for a while, so people were So tell, us, the, you tell us how you ended up with this one. Uh, well, that, that was, happened to be in the Brennan's Wine Cellar when we uh, purchased it. But I, I actually have a couple bottles at home. 
<laughs> I uh, I like that. I'm all about uh, I'm all about that. Like, so, like keeping something secret. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Okay, May we taste it? it? I did. Sure. Um, do you want do you, do you want me to get some ice? Yeah, oh. we need a little bit of ice and okay. and, and some pecho. I got that. I got that. And done and do done. Do we have any soda water back? We there? do. We have all Perfect. of those things. Yes. There we go. I need to go around the other side. No worries. So you also mentioned another drink to me that. I'm not sure how I feel about it, Ralph, and it, you called it milk punch. Milk punch. Great for breakfast. Yeah. Great way to drink. <laughs> drink last drink, night drink away. milk. No, it's, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's good. It, it definitely can help you if you... Uh, uh, Overindulge. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but, but it's very popular for breakfast and brunch around here. And it's, it's a very simple drink, usually made with brandy, and, and then usually a combination of regular milk and heavy cream, and then uh, some vanilla. Uh-huh. And then uh, a little nutmeg on top. Oh, that sounds actually. And you just shake it and stir it. Very simple to make. Um, and then at Brennan's, we make one with rum and some spices, and we call it a Caribbean milk punch. Nice. Very popular. Uh, but I recommend it highly. It's one of my favorites. You, you know, you, you're doing very well here with a Sazerac, Ohan, and now we're talking about milk punch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absorbing the culture. That's what I call it. It's uh, part of the gig. It's part of the just, job. Can we just talk about what's happening right now? Ralph yes, Brennan please. is making us a cocktail. Anybody? So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is it. I am like super happy. Look at that. Tell us what you're doing. Right Gina, now, you might be losing your job. The Ohen into <laughs> the glass here, and not too much because it's going to be a long day. <laughs> a couple of splashes of Pecho bitters. I think this might be the first. And then. The soda water, and of course, we're using the original here. So, look at that! What a beautiful color! Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Probably need a little more bitters. Can't delete bitters, right? I don't have anything to stir it with. Oh, oh I can do that. Yeah. We might some have somebody that might have some. Uh, Stirs. I, I, I can do that for us. There we go. Thank you. The proper utensil, even. It's so it beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful. It's pink like baby girl pink. It is. It is. You know, it's it's interesting. This is lighter than normal. Um, I don't know if it's just because this, this bottle is so old. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. It might have aged. Might be. Uh, it smells I haven't, I haven't beautiful. had some of this in a, in a while. Oh, but that uh, really opened up from when we um, just took a nice whiff of mm-hmm. the bottle. Um, it was very, yeah. very, car- it had a lot of caramel um, front. Now it's, that Anise is really, she's, she's speaking. And it's very popular during Mardi Gras. Many of the Mardi Gras organizations have Delicious. dinners and it's on the bar at dinners. It's uh, on Mardi Gras Day. They'll serve it at the Rex Den. Rex is the organization that parades on Mardi Gras Day. And, and so they'll, they'll have beverages out, and this is one of the items that they'll serve. Uh, I also like to sip on this maybe on Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, when no, things are a little crazier around the house, and you just go <laughs> off in the corner. No and you idea sit what down you're and, talking about, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you, I, I think I just found a new drink that I love. I mean, do everybody ever do like a. Um, so, like, do they ever add anything for the holidays on top? Like, nope. Nope. This is the, no? really this is the traditional way to drink it, and most people drink it this way. It's beautiful. It's very simple, it's really but it's a different beautiful. flavor. Uh, actually, uh, maybe later we could try the the new one. Do you, do you like? Do you prefer the new one? Uh, no, but this bottle is so old. It, it actually, 
it seems to me it's lost a little bit of just, flavor. Let's just do it now. We have plenty of time. Okay. Oh, we have time? Okay. Yeah, we can do, yeah, we can do it. It's your show, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> you are the designated drinker. This is, this is, I'm having the best I, time. This is epic. So I want to do whatever you want to do. Okay. Gina doesn't often get someone to make her a drink. It's always the other way around. <laughs> don't, don't, don't spoil her, Ralph. Just okay, let's try this. <laughs> yeah. Got everything? Yeah. Oh, the spoon. Oh, I took the spoon That's away. That's all right. I just used my Hold finger. Hold on, please. That's okay. My finger's clean. There you go. That's probably the difference in taste that you're wondering. It was like, oh, it was the <laughs> finger that was missing. <laughs> uh, that's porch style right there. I'm not going back in the house and then you do that. It, is, it does have a little bit of different, yeah? It's a little darker. Um, now, was this a drink that, um, Aunt, that, that uh, came... During um, when Antoine Pechaud was around in Sazerac, or after, or what? Do you know what the year was? That this well, I, what I've when I've researched the history, it it, it looks like it it, it came a uh, family named Jelp, Jelpy who were in the liquor business brought it to New Orleans probably in the late 1800s somehow, and uh, somehow it worked its way into some of the Mardi Gras organizations, and it's one of the tr traditional drinks. Uh, that people drink during Mardi Gras. So have a it's taste of that. Definitely, um, a, 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 this, a color is definitely different. Yes, and it's much more opaque than, yeah, than these. Absolutely, than the older. So, you yeah, know, maybe maybe the bottle lost the original bottle lost a little zip to it. But yeah. I mean, how old is that bottle? I, I mean, have no idea. It, yeah, I mean, when you when we first opened the bottles, you could definitely smell the difference in the bouquet between the two. Is obvious. I'm surprised you guys don't. Well, you know what? You drink about during Mardi Gras. I would drink that during Easter. It tastes like a jelly bean. It's yeah. delicious. This mm -hmm. is absolutely. This is um. There's a huge difference between the two. I find. Oh, yeah. Try that. Just just take take a, a little take whiff. It's it's stronger. It's definitely stronger. Yeah. yeah. It's it's crazy. I, I have the taste in my palate now, so now I feel like everything tastes like it's like a little bit like anise and uh, and delicious and toasted. But this is like wonderful, and there's no year on here. No. So when I go home tonight, I'm going to try in, in some of that I have at home. Maybe not as old as that bottle. There's a cocktail on the back of this bottle. I have to. I ha look at me. I'm like nerding out right now. Um, that says uh, it's called the Jitters Cocktail, and it's one third of the Ohen. One third gin and one third French, uh, dry vermouth. That is a uh, perfect uh, New Orleans style, right? I feel like now we should make that after. Yeah. <laughs> if I was gonna go home and go, she drank my entire antique bottle of Ohan. How that just happened? <laughs> um, I did not sign up for that. Uh, can I? Can we? Can we ask you a question? I realize, like, sure. I, I, can we talk about the bananas Fosters, please? Mm -hmm. No, we did not. Mm. Can we talk about how amazing oh, it is to go to your restaurant and see? I was in a room of, um, I don't know, 40 tables and watched 39 tables get Bananas Fosters at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I yep. Please elaborate. on like, Just tell us the story. <laughs> well, the story is that it was created when Brennan's was on Bourbon Street. And uh, my aunt was the general manager. And the chef at the time was the gentleman Paul Blanger. Uh, they were celebrating a dinner for a prominent businessman here in town, Mr. Foster, Richard Foster. And they wanted to honor him with a special dessert. And so my aunt challenged him, excuse me, my uncle challenged my aunt to come up with a new dessert. And she worked with one of the dining room captains and the chef. And because bananas were very popular here in New Orleans, because many of them came into the United States from Central America through the port of New Orleans, they were inexpensive and, so was in, and very plentiful. 
So my aunt chose that. And she also tells the story that her mother, uh, my grandmother, used to brulee bananas at home for breakfast. So the idea came together, and they put the brown sugar in it, and boom, they flamed it, and it became popular. And it's, you know, it, at Brennan's, we probably sell about 70% of our desserts are bananas foster. We actually have people who come in the restaurant only for bananas foster. And I they'll sit it. in the courtyard or in the bar, and we'll fix it for them. And um, it, it's world famous. And, you know, people, where was I? Just somewhere recently. And Bananas Foster came up, and I said it was created at Brennan's. They didn't believe me. But it was in the, right around 1950 or so. It's, it's amazing. I mean, and they do a table side. So it's like yeah. a whole presentation, and it flames. And, and then if one, just to say nobody was getting it, and then you see one person get it, it's like a domino effect. Everybody has yeah. to have it. Yeah. And it was uh, epic. And I was like thinking, I'm like, what a wonderful drink. I mean, yeah. and, and of course there's rum in it and yep. banana liqueur. So yeah. for me, I'm like, and then you just pour all that butter in a glass. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and you just drink it. If there was a way and to do it. Mr. Foster's family still here in the city. Is a couple of his grandchildren are good friends of mine. And they'll, they'll come in every once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we definitely need to go ahead and do that. So okay. what do you got? All right. So um, in honor of the fact that we're at Napoleon House and that this is your new acquisition, uh, you have a drink on the menu, uh, Pim's Cup, but you also have a, an Englishman. So what I made is a version of an Englishman that I did a little bit of, I made you a beet soda with a little bit of apple okay. and fennel. And it's just really light. So I took all the same flavors that you would normally do with the cucumber and the ginger. Right. And I did uh, the gin. Uh, and the pims. Okay. So it's just really fresh. So it's uh, one ounce of um, pims number one, cup number one, and then I used in this one I used the um, Bombay, the Bombay original for one ounce. So it's one ounce and one ounce, and then I took a little bit of apple uh, juice, a fresh uh, pressed juice, beet, uh, fennel. It was all pressed, and so it's uh, one apple, um, two ounces of fresh fennel. And then, um, um, sorry, a little bit of a, um, I lost what I was saying. I just lost it. Um, beet, apple, and fennel. Yeah, that's it, right? Did I say it all? <laughs> I really shouldn't be drinking <laughs> Ohan. Oh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so I put it all in, put it all in, and um, basically I, I put it in a soda siphon, but honestly, you could do this at home. Uh, soda water would be lovely with this, and then you should definitely stir it with your finger because after I've had the Ohan, I feel like <laughs> bar tools are not necessary. Overrated. Anymore. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> so this has a lovely um, uh, pink, uh, pinky tone to it. And had I known that we, that I don't even, I don't even know where I am right now. I don't even know. I feel so, like I'm completely so, in love. So Ralph, uh, we can't let guests let uh, Gina drink. Obviously, we're just falling apart at the seams. This is your fault, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that we are. I think that this has been a wonderful, wonderful designated drinker. <laughs> I'm going to actually move this to New Orleans. I feel like I'm going to work at Brennan's or somewhere. Oh, come join us! It's a great uh, place we, to live. A lot of people have moved here since Katrina. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. especially younger people come to the city and want to be part of it. I'm sure it changed. I, I would imagine that that has changed a lot of your approach on things. You yep. would have to, yeah. Yep. Do we do we have any yeah. uh, room in uh, the portfolio for a bagel bar? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm into that. Maybe we could try that. There we go. Thank you. All right. Well, cheers. cheers one more time. <laughs> Thanks, Gina. Wait, where did my drink? I, my new drink yeah, go? Yeah, I love this one. That's love the one you want. That's the best. Yeah. Cheers. Thank cheers. That essence, lovely. Oh, that's delicious. 
nice. And it's really, it's a playoff. Of, it's, it's a playoff of what you already have downstairs, your Englishman. And it's just a different way of doing soda. Very light. It's very light. And it's, um, I like the, of course, the herb on top just gives you that nice essence when you breathe it in. So in a traditional Pimm's cup, you would put um, cucumber, right? And the cucumber really doesn't do much to the drink except give it like a, a for, um, an herbal or floral note, depending on whether cucumber's in season. So it does the same thing, and you can use any any uh, herb, or you can use cucumbers in here, and that would be fine too. No, it's very refreshing, especially for New Orleans in the summertime. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gina, I know we have Ralph in the seat. But I think we still have to listen to that last call. Maybe just run over to Brennan's and get some of that Bananas Fosters. Totally. Are you going to take us? <laughs> I'd love to. Let's go. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. Thanks, guys. 